Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 3, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Maybe you stop having your devotion time. Maybe you stop going to church. Maybe you stop fellowshipping. Maybe things got a little tense and a little heavy and you stop serving the Lord. Somewhere along your path of Christianity, your, your backslidden state began back there. And what's happening here is just the fruit of what has happened back there. You're reaping what you've sown. And we can see that very clearly here. First of all, did you notice they dwelt among the people? Secondly, they became linked to them in intermarriage. And then thirdly, they served their gods. Well, all this began when they dwelt among the people. And God said, don't do that. Deuteronomy, God said, and did you find it fascinating? I did, that the the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all the other ites, The God specifically named those people way back in Deuteronomy. Here they are years and years and years later in the promised land. And it is exactly just as God said, those people who find themselves dwelling among God's people. God is so awesome. That's just cool. It is. It's just amazing. So they dwelt among them. They were linked to them. And then they served their God's notice in verse nine, when the children of Israel, now notice this, notice this, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, what did God do? He raised up a deliverer, isn't he faithful? He raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Othniel is his name, the son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him, underline that, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathium, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against that king. So the Lord had rest, or so the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenez, died. Now, It's eight years later. The people cry out to God for a deliverer. The Lord raised up their first judge, Othniel. This is it from, remember, remember when we think of judges, you don't want to think of a guy judicial behind an oak bench wearing a black robe with a gavel gavel in his hand. You don't want to think judge like that. When the Bible talks about judges, this word judge speaks of a deliverer, speaks of a hero, speaks of a savior. So God raised up a savior. His name is Othniel. Othniel was Caleb's younger brother. And notice the Bible says in verse 9, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now, Bible students, listen. 
In the Old Testament, the spirit of the Lord, God's Holy Spirit, did not dwell in the hearts and the lives of people. He did not. Remember, Jesus said, when I go away, I send the spirit. So the spirit had not yet come. In the Old Testament, the spirit did not come to live within people. The spirit of God came upon people. The Spirit of God did not come to live within people until the very first time, you know the story, Jesus was gathered in the upper room, sitting with his disciples. And it was after he had died and resurrected from the dead, and he breathed on his disciples, and they received the Spirit. You know the story. But then God told them to go and wait in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high, and that power should come upon them to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So the first time that the Spirit of God dwelled inside of people was when Jesus breathed on his disciples. Prior to that, no one was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon them. And here in our text, the Spirit of God came upon Othniel. And he judged Israel. And he went to war against double darkness king. And through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him, he defeated the king. And the land was free from oppression for 40 years. Look at verse 12. 40 years later, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And then he, Eglon, gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek and went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palm. Who knows what that city is? Jericho. Write it down. It's Jericho, the city of Palm. And so the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. King Egon, God raised him up to oppress his people, to give him a spanking. And the chastening of the Lord is good because he loves us and he loves them. And this guy oppressed them for 18 years. But in verse 15, when the children of Israel carried cried unto the Lord. The Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Here's Israel's second deliverer, Ehud, the son of Girah, the Benjamite. Underline this, a left-hand man. Isn't that interesting? This guy was a left-hand man. Stay tuned, I'll tell you why. The Bible tells us that. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. Now, stop right there. Here, let me bring you up to date here. Here we have 40 years later. Here we go again. 40 years, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord used this man by the name of Eglon. And so Eglon gathers together the arch enemies of Israel, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Amalekites. Now, here's a test for you. Ammon and Moab are descendants of who? Lot. Very good. Remember, 
Ammon and Moab are from the incestuous relationship of Lot with his daughters. And the Amalekites, test, the Amalekites are descendants of who? Esau. Esau. So, Eglon, King Eglon, gathered together the children of Ammon and Amalek, and they went and fought against Israel, defeated them at the city of Palm, or Jericho, and for the next 18 years, they were servants of Eglon. And finally, 18 years later, the children of Israel cry out to God, and the Lord again raised up a deliverer by the name of Ehud. Now, Ehud is Israel's second hero, or second judge. His name means united. And he was a Benjamite, the Bible tells us, and he was left-handed. And in trying to appease the king, the children of Israel, Israel sent a present by the hand of Ehud. Now, now, and that's not a good thing. This is not a good thing. Don't ever, here's, here's the application. Don't ever try to appease what is oppressing you. Don't ever try to appease what is oppressing you. One more drink, one more cigarette, one more time at the playhouse or dollhouse or girly house or whatever they, one more time, one more drink, you know, one more movie, one more whatever it is, fill in the blank, I don't know what it is. But don't ever try to appease the enemy by bringing him gifts. And this is what the children of Israel do with King Eglon, who was oppressing them. They say, Ehud, here, take, take this gift and give it to the king. Now, I want to point this out. Did you notice this? The Bible, as I said, was very specific to say that Ehud was a southpaw or a left-hand man. So what, Rodney? What's the big deal? Well, this, this is huge, and I'll tell you why. First of all, this is unusual in the Bible, and it is unusual today. Only 13% of the population of people are born left-handed. In ancient cultures, it was considered evil or you were cursed to be left-handed. You see, a right-handed person, if you're right-handed, the right hand spoke of power and prowess and ability. And if you were left-handed, then something was wrong with you or you were handicapped. And to make matters worse, this Ehud was from the tribe of Benjamin. So Benjamin means son of my right hand. It is very possible that Ehud was growing up in school. He might have had a real psychological block over this left-hand deal. I mean, kids are brutal. Kids will mess you up. You know, kids are honest. They just meet you and, hi, you have a big head. It's like, (laughs) you evil little kid. Where's your parents? (laughs) Kids are, you know, kids are, they'll, they'll do it. And I'm sure that Ehud, growing up in school, they were like, ha ha, Southpaw. You got a left hand. Look at that, man. You're evil. You're accursed. Do you know that, Ehud? Accursed Ehud, accursed Ehud. You know, kids skipping around. And it's like, ah! He probably thought this was a really bad thing. But let me tell you something. 
God is going to use what is seemingly a really bad thing in Ehud's life for God's glory and for their good. Watch this. Look at verse 16. If you're there, say amen. Now Ehud made himself a dagger to get the other kids. No, just kidding. I'm sorry. It doesn't say that in the Bible. He made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubic in length, 18 inches, and fastened it under his clothes. Note this on his right side. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. The Bible is so honest, isn't it? It didn't say, well, Eglon was gravitationally challenged. Well, Eglon was, let's just say, needing a little Jenny Craig. It didn't say that. It says, Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished in verse 18 presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal. And he said to the king, he said, king, I got a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silent. And all who attended him went out from him. The king dismissed everybody. He's interested. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in the cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And so he rolled out of his seat. (laughs) Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly and his entrails came out. Boy, do I love this story. (laughs) This is a great story. Now, 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 notice this here. This King Eglon, let's talk about him just a minute here. A very fat man, the Bible says, right? Listen. We're not talking, look up, do some study here. You're not talking heavy. We're not talking obese. We are talking planetary type heavy. I mean, this guy is huge. Some ancient writers, true, some ancient writers um, uncovered, you know, some writings about this guy. And they said that his waist was up to 200 inches. I mean, you think your genes are big. This guy is like unbelievable. And as he was leaving, Ehud put together this 18-inch sword, right, on his right side. And he put it under his coat. And then as he was leaving, he turns to the king. He says, King Eggy, he says, I I got a secret message for you. And the king thought, oh, this is good, man. This is going to be good. He sends the people out. And Ehud said, I've got a message from God for you. And so he gets out of his seat, and then Ehud took his left hand, reached across his body to the right side where the sword was, pulled it out, and pushed it into his belly. Now, you got to understand why the Bible tells us that. Ehud being left-handed, in those days, the secret service for the king would never frisk the right side of a man. They would always frisk his left side. Why? Because most warriors were always right-handed and they drew with their right hand from their left side. 
So as Ehud would come into the king's court, and you got the agents there frisking everybody down, they would just normally just frisk the left side of, of a soldier. Because everybody was right-handed, they never suspected there could possibly be someone with a left hand. And so Ehud, who is left-handed, they never frisked his right side where he had the weapon and he was able to use that weapon to deliver God's people. Now that's interesting to me. I mean, maybe Ehud thought, man, why God? Why would you make me this way? Remember, it's an outcast to be a left-hander. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around because it's no big deal today. But in that day, you're cursed. You're an outcast. And maybe growing up, the kids are teasing him. He's thinking, God, why would you let me be an outcast? Why would you let me be, be a left-hander and a lefty? And although I'm from the, the tribe of Benjamin, the son of my right hand, why would you let me be a left-hander? Why? Because God's ways are Perfect, because God never, ever makes a mistake. God knows exactly how he wants you to be created, and he creates you that way. It's in Psalm 139. It says, when you were in your mother's womb and being put together, God knew exactly what he was doing. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee. Listen, God uniquely made each of us and God has a specific job for each of us to do. And there will be never be another you. Yay. (laughs) So I say, yay. There will never be. You've got something specific to do. I'm sure he was like, why am I left handed? But when God used that left hand to deliver his people, I bet he understood then. People are so unhappy with who they are. Don't misunderstand me. I'm all I'm into getting in shape and take care of yourself and brush your teeth and, you know, that kind of stuff or your tooth or, you know, or I mean, I'm into that. But people are so unhappy with who they are. God made you who you are. And, you know, you got to get to the point where you're happy with who you are and just rest in what God has already done. Because God's ways are perfect. And everything he creates is beautiful. God wants to use you with the gifts he has given you for his glory. And, you know, when we get to heaven, God isn't going to say, well, you know, you weren't like brother so-and-so and you weren't like sister so-and-so. God will never say that. What he's going to say is, why weren't you more like you? So you could do what I told you to do. God made Ehud just the way he planned. And he drew the sword with his left hand and thrust it through his belly. And the dagger went so far in, the fat closed around it. I don't know why I'm kind of majoring on that point. It's just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to me. But, but then look at verse 16. <laughs> look at verse 16. The two-edged, two-edged, two-edged sword. Did you see that? Two-edged sword. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Amen. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. You know it for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit that joints in the morrow is able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Ephesians six seventeen, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The book of Revelation tells us about Jesus In Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, and from his Jesus mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it 
he may smite the nations. Hmm. Notice in verse 23, then Ehud, what happened after the king died? Ehud went out in verse 23 through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. And when he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look. And to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. And so they said he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. And so they waited till they were embarrassed and still had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they, and then they took the key and they opened it. And there was their master fallen on the floor, dead. So Ehud went out. He locked the door behind him. Eglon's servants came. The door was locked. They thought he was attending to his needs. Now, in Hebrew, that literally means they thought he was using the potty. They thought he was going to the bathroom. King James says, covering his feet. Interesting. And so they waited out there so long, they're probably thinking, man, I, he, he couldn't be eating that much. I mean, wow. <laughs> Look, it's in the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, all right? It's right there. And, and so they were like, wow, we've been out here a long time. So they got embarrassed because he wasn't coming out. And then they took the key, they opened the door, and they found big boy dead on the floor, Verse 26 through 31, we're going to wrap it up. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed, passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Syrah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he led them. And then he said to them, follow me. See, a good leader says, follow me. But then a good leader also says, follow the Lord. You see that? For the Lord. See, follow me. Like Paul said, I'm, follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, follow me, because God's did this. God has done this, for the Lord has delivered your enemies. The Moabites into your hands, so they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all fat guys, stout men of valor, not a man escaped. And so Moab was subdued that day under the mighty hand of Israel and the, and the land had rest for another 80 years. Shamgar after him in verse 31. This is the third judge, the third hero, the third deliverer. His name is Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Interesting. This guy, Shamgar, he has one little statement in the Bible. I find that in just one, just one, Shamgar. He killed 600 Philistines, and he killed them with an ox goad. An ox goad is, is a stick that's 8 to 10 feet tall, 6 inches thick, and on one end has a point. On the other end, it has this flat piece of metal that was used to clean um, plows. So nothing spectacular, nothing special about an ox goad, but an ox goad in the hand of the right man is Mighty and awesome and powerful instrument. So Shamgar took the ox go to use it to wipe out 600 Philistines, delivered Israel from their oppression. And Shamgar used that ox go to beat back the enemy. And that's what we should be doing with whatever is in your hand. 
You know, Shamgar used what was in his hand to beat back the enemy. One little verse, but tells us a lot about him. What was in his hand? He was obviously a farmer. And what was in his hand to beat back the Philistines was an ox goad. That's what God wants us to use to beat back the enemies in our lives. What's in your hand? God said to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? Moses said, a rod. God said, throw it down. It became a stake. Pick it up. It became a rod. God said to David, David, what's in your hand? A slingshot. Great. Let's go get some giants. Peter, what's in your hand? A net. Great. Let's go fish for men. Saints, what's in your hand? Well, I work with computers. Well, go do some programming for the kingdom. What's in your hand? I'm a musician. Well, go write some songs for Jesus. Beat back the enemy. I'm a mechanic. Good. Go fix some widow's car or something. Go beat back the enemy. Well, I'm a baker. I'm a cook. Great. Go make Pastor Roddy some chocolate cookies. Beat back the enemy. If everybody in the body of Christ would just use what's in their hand to beat back the enemy, the church would be powerful. Shoes was in your hand. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know where I can serve. Well, what do you do best? Well, I do whatever. Well, good. Then go do that for the kingdom. That's all. No big deal. Don't make it a big spiritual. You know, God's going to come upon you and show you exactly what he wants you to be doing. How about just, hey, you know what? I cook. Okay, go cook for Jesus. That's what Shamgar did. One verse. Verse 31 in the Bible, powerful man. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.